Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Ashish Khanna, a physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist at the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation and part of the Revital Cancer Rehabilitation Program. Dr. Khanna completed his residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Kingsbrook Jewish Rehabilitation Institute in Brooklyn, New York, where he became interested in cancer rehabilitation early on. He completed his fellowship subspecialization in Cancer Rehabilitation at MedStar Georgetown University National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C. He specializes in the treatment of people who have pain or functional issues as a result of cancer or cancer treatments, including people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. This includes pain, shoulder issues, fatigue, joint pain from aromatase inhibitors, and other issues. He has lectured at numerous international conferences, has published peer-reviewed research on a variety of related topics, and is the co-author of an upcoming book on cancer rehabilitation. Today, he joins us to talk about shoulder issues caused by breast cancer treatments and how they can be managed. Dr. Kana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. So we're excited, or I'm excited anyway, to talk about this because shoulder issues are so prevalent among people who've been diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'd like to start uh, to talk about the pro- the shoulder problems that you see in your practice. I mean, obviously there's pain, there's stiffness. Those seem to be the two big ones when I was doing my background research, but are there sort of subcategories within those two areas? And are there other issues that people need to know about? Yeah, no, I'm glad you're bringing some uh, attention to this topic. It's a big one. It's all, uh, you know, often under-recognized as well, which is understandable. Most people have a lot going on, um, you know, a lot to think about. Uh, when they're undergoing breast cancer treatments and things like that. So the shoulder kind of takes a backseat, which is fair enough. But eventually those kinds of things kind of, you know, the shoulder issues catch up to you. Um, so, but to answer your question, I would say pain and stiffness are probably the two most common things um, that re- happen as a result of uh, treatment for breast cancer. Um, there are some other ones. There are some nerves that, um, you know, kind of travel through the area. Um, some of them are important nerves, of course, the ones that control your hands and fingers that travel down your arm. And those those travel through, that's called the brachial plexus. Um, that, those nerves travel um, through the axilla and, you know, in the armpit area down to your arm and help you. And those are the nerves that control the sensation and, um, and, and the muscles in your hand and arm, of course, which are important. Um, there are also some smaller nerves in that area too, um, particularly if you had an axillary node dissection as part of your breast cancer treatments, or if you had radiation. Sometimes people have radiation to the axilla or to the armpit area um, to radiate some nodes. Um, those 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 patients are at a higher risk for um, shoulder issues, whether those are the musculoskeletal issues, meaning the more orthopedic type stuff like. Uh, with the muscles and tendons and bones, which you know, like you mentioned, are the stiff, the stiffness uh, and the and that kind of pain that we typically think of that goes with that. Um, and then the other kind of pain is the nerve pain aspect of it. Um, and like I said, if you had surgery in the uh, axilla or if you had radiation, then some of those smaller nerves can be damaged. Um, one of them is called the intercostobrachial nerve. Um, you can try and uh, spell that. I would try to spell I can spell it for you. <laughs> anyway, you can, I'm sure you could probably Google it, and Google would uh, be 
did you mean intracontrabrachial nerve? <laughs> yeah, I assume that's kind of, is that behind the armpit or? Um, it's sort of in it. It's sort of uh, in the armpit itself and it runs down the, uh, the bottom part of your arm. Okay. Um, and that nerve is frequently, and it's actually right in the middle of your armpit, right where the lymph nodes are. So if you had, um, you know, if you had the surgery, the node dissection where, you know, a lot of the nodes had to be removed or, you know, you required radiation there, then uh, a lot of times, you know, there's no choice, but that nerve is, you know, has to be cut. Um, and as a result, uh, when the nerve gets cut, sometimes it kind of, the end of it kind of balls up and like this like little onion shaped structure. And that we call that a neuroma. Um, and other times the, after a nerve's been cut, it just kind of sends these weird signals like tingling and burning, uh, tightness. Uh, sometimes on light touch, you can feel these funny little things happening. Uh, we call that dysesthesias. That's a medical word for it. But um, those those kinds of things uh, are common. And we call that an intercostobrachial neuralgia. That's one type of shoulder or arm pain. But uh, far more common than that. I, I just mentioned that because not a lot of people know about it. Um, but far more common is the stiffness and um, the pain that you mentioned, um, particularly as it relates to the rotator cuff and all that kind of stuff, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to. Yes, yes. Well, and I read that about 60% of people who are diagnosed with breast cancer have shoulder pain. So that's a lot. That's more mm -hmm. than half. Um, now, obviously, you talked about surgery, specifically surgery that removes lymph nodes, can cause shoulder issues. Um I know some of the reconstruction procedures, um, especially if they're uh, the type of procedures that move tissue from another area of the body to rebuild the breast, those can cause shoulder issues. Um, are there others, you know, you mentioned radiation, but does chemotherapy, some of the target therapies, immunotherapies, is it basically all treatment can, has the potential to cause shoulder issues? Um, I think the chemotherapy and, and things like that, you know, those, those can cause all sorts of issues. So I would say the chemotherapy could possibly make the shoulder pain worse. But the, a much larger component of that uh, would be what you mentioned first, where you have like the where, where the surgeries would sort of change the whole kind of uh, kinetic chain or, you know, the way that you move, alter the way that you move. That, that can cause, um, that's the, you know, that's the biggest cause of shoulder pain. Um, so yeah, certain certain types of surgeries make you you know more prone to having shoulder problems. Um, if you think about how the shoulder itself works, you have the humerus, right, the arm bone, and that connects um, to uh, to the glenoid, um, which is where it meets your and that that connection there with that joint there, that's actually your shoulder joint. But uh, that, that uh, where your where your humerus meets your shoulder is actually part of your scapula, so that bone on the back on the back side of your upper chest, the scapula. So the skin, the scapula rotates and it moves. It's actually only role really is just as an attachment point for all sorts of different muscles. Um, so um, one of the attachments of that is the pectoralis muscle. So we'll start with that um, because it's just kind of a, even, even amongst those common problems, it's probably the most common. Um, and the pectoralis muscle, you know, most people know it as the pec. It's uh, the the uh, the muscle when you do a, a bench press or something like that. Um, it attaches. It's a big flat muscle right underneath the breast that's a, adhered to your chest wall. Um, so a lot of uh, patients will have, uh, for example, a tissue expander, and the tissue expanders, um, you know, where you you take a, a a bag sack basically, and you you sort of peel the pectoralis off the chest wall, and you slide that bag behind it, 
And then slowly over time, you sort of inflate it. Um, and, um, you know, as you know, in most cases, you can't just put an implant where your natural breast once was. You need some sort of uh, muscular pocket to put it in. Um, so that's how we, that's, this is the, one of the most common ways is to use the pectoralis muscle itself. Um, but of course, in order to, it's, it's naturally stuck to your chest wall. So you have to, you know, we have to stretch that out. Uh, slowly over time. So you fill that bag since, you know, patients have had this done, already noticed. You go back to the plastic surgeon after they've implanted that bag behind the pectoralis and they slowly fill it with saline or water um, and it gets bigger and bigger. And then whenever you achieve the size of the implant that you want, you go back to surgery, they remove that, uh, the tissue expander, that bag, they deflate it, remove it, and then they slide the implant in in its place. And then the pectoralis muscle that was once attached to your chest is now holding that uh, implant in. Got it. Can I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I yeah. do have one question. I have read about a procedure where the implant is actually on top of the pectoralis yeah. muscle. Um, is, is that any less likely to cause pain or shoulder issues, or is it just going to cause different kinds of shoulder issues? I think it would be, I would say it would certainly be less likely to cause shoulder issues. Now, the, the implant you're talking about, if people want to look it up, it's called a pre-pectoral implant, P-R-E, pre, like before or ahead of. It's, it's a pre-pectoral implant. You can certainly discuss that with the plastic surgeon. That's um, that's not, yeah, that's the discussion probably you need to have with him or her. That's not because not everybody, um, that, that doesn't, it's not always a choice for everyone. Okay. So there are some, there are some other criteria that need to be considered. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The size of your breast, um, before the breast cancer surgery, the size of, if you had a lumpectomy, the size of the remaining breast tissues and, uh, the size that ultimately, um, you know, the re the size that you want your reconstructed breast to be all those kinds of things factor in, uh, whether the prefectoral implant would work for you or not. Um, yeah, but no, they would have less. So the, the thing, I guess what I'm getting at is if, if you have the tissue expander, what that does is it stretches your pectoralis muscle and the pectoralis muscle is attached to a couple different places on your chest. One is on your sternum in the center of the chest. Uh, the other one is it attaches to your clavicle or the shoulder bone. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the clavicle there. And then the last place where it attaches is actually onto your arm. So if you grab, if you lift your elbow up in the air and you grab that front part of your armpit, that's actually the pectoralis muscle on its way traveling uh, over and attaching to your arm. Uh, so a lot of people don't realize that. So if you if you imagine that you take that flat muscle that's attached to all those places and you pull it forward and you keep it pulled forward for weeks, uh, what's going to happen is it's going to start tugging at those places where the muscle attaches. So, it's, you know, up here on your uh, collarbone, it's going to pull your collarbone down and it's going to, uh, you know, if you're, uh, it has that attachment onto the humerus there. So it's going to cause, you know, you're going to hold your arm down to your side. Um, and uh, basically, you're essentially going to protract the shoulder or you're going to be hunched forward. It's essentially what happens um, to a lot of people uh, uh, as you stretch that pectoralis muscle. You know, it causes you to the whole shoulder to kind of hunch down. Um, and the, the couple of problems with that one is that um, you uh, your rotator cuff has to travel between your collarbone and the top of your humerus. There's a particular rotator cuff uh, muscle there called the supraspinatus, and that's it commonly gets um, uh, squeezed, and we call that a, a subacromial impingement or basically a rotator cuff tear. 
So this kind of thing um, frequently causes rotator cuff problems, including rotator cuff tears and uh, rotator cuff tendinopathies and things like that because of the shoulder just being kind of hunched forward. Uh, and the space where your rotator cuff usually exists between the between your collarbone and your arm uh, becomes a lot more narrowed once you're hunched forward, um, and that can cause uh, a whole bunch of different problems. Another um, surgery uh, that you mentioned <clears throat> would be like the latissimus flap. Um, that's where you take a latiss the right to, to and you know you put the instead of expanding the pectoralis in this case, uh, you take a, a strip of the um, of the latissimus off your back, uh, and it's tunneled around forward, and it creates a little pocket, and then you can place the uh, implant behind that. So um, that causes perhaps less shoulder problems, but definitely creates uh, shoulder problems uh, in a lot of people too, um, as a trade-off, of course. Um, and uh, the the reason for that is the latissimus is a huge, powerful muscle of your back. Uh, it actually controls the scapula and stabilizes your scapula quite a bit. So um, you have a loss of kind of scapular stabilization. Your scapula kind of swings out, words up and out, um, and that um, can also kind of squeeze the shoulder joint and cause rotator cuff problems, uh, rotator cuff tendinitis, okay. and rotator cuff tear. Yeah. But it, it does sound like pretty much any type of breast cancer surgery or any type of reconstruction surgery is has the potential to lead to a shoulder problem. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. More, more, some more than others. Okay. Some almost all, some almost all the time with the tissue expanders and those things. Yeah. Okay, and I'm wondering too. Does the um, what do I want to say? After someone has surgery, there's usually uh, the requirement is you have you can't really use that arm much. So, yeah, you know, right. you're not supposed to lift things. You're not really supposed to move it around much. I know there are exercises that are given very gentle stretching exercises to start with. Yeah. But I'm wondering, does that lack of activity or lack of movement, does that sort of contribute as well to any sort of shoulder issues? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. So that's basically what you're talking about. There is uh, frozen shoulder, or uh, you know, the medical term for that is adhesive capsulitis. Um, so basically, you have the shoulder capsule, and it gets, and the rotator cuff sort uh, tendons sort of get adhesed to each other. That's why it's called adhesive capsulitis. And your fold, the shoulder can freeze up. I mean, basically, the principle is is that you know, it's, it, use it or lose it kind of thing. Um, if you hold your arm down at your side all of the time for days, weeks, months, it's going to be very difficult for you to move the arm above your head again. Um, and that's because the the rotator cuff, if you don't stretch out all of those muscles and don't stretch your shoulder capsule, it, it starts to shrink down on you. Um, and you'll have a limited shoulder range of motion, and it can be pain. It will be painful to try to move it beyond a certain point. Um, a lot of times, that's reversible. So uh, you know, it's better to address it early. And doing those exercises um, to prevent frozen shoulder uh, is definitely important. Um, and there are a couple ways that you can do that, and you can. And I can even how to tell if you're developing a frozen shoulder. A lot of people don't realizing. Don't even don't realize that they might be developing one. Um, one way I say is if you if you take your arms and you put them on your hips, you should be able to have your elbows where they're totally out to your side. 
Um, so if you're, if, if you're, if you, if you put your hands on your hips and you find that your elbows are kind of pointing backwards and you have a tough, tough time swinging your elbows forward, then that means that your shoulder capsule may be, you know, getting tight on you. Um, the other way to do it is to do is to take your hands and kind of put it behind your head. Like you, you know, like, a, like you're shampooing the back of your head or that kind of motion. Um, you should be able to reach the back of your head. A lot of people can't even do that, but if you can, that's good. A lot of people are going to swing their elbows forward when they, if, if they're able to touch the back of their head, they'll, they'll do that. Really, you want to be able to touch the back of your head and you want to swing your elbows all the way back as far as you can. Um, and that, that would be one type of stretch that you can do. And if you have, if you have trouble doing those motions, then, you know, I would say almost certainly that you're, you know, developing a bit of frozen shoulder. Okay. Now, is lymphedema linked at all to shoulder problems, or is that sort of a separate issue in and of itself? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So shoulder pain, a lot of people with lymphedema, um, about 70, half, between half and maybe 70% of people with lymphedema report some sort of shoulder pain also. Um, part of the reason, there's a couple different reasons. One is that if you have lymphedema, your arm is going to be heavy. So you have a lot of extra weight. That's kind of stressing the shoulder joint. Also, if your arm is heavy, you tend not to use it as much. Of course, you know, if you're, if you have one arm, that's, uh, you know, if you're trying to reach something out of a cupboard, you're more likely to use your other arm, you know? Uh, so people end up using the lymphedematous arm a little bit less. Um, also with lymphedema, you have something that we call cording or uh, axillary web syndrome. I'm sure you probably talked about this in a previous podcast at least once or twice. Yeah. But just in case, can you explain what it is? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so we well, actually, we don't truly understand what it is. Oh, really? Um, okay. But we call it cording. It's like acts or or what causes it, or who gets it, and why some people do and some why some people don't. It's uh, from my understanding, not totally clear. But um, it's uh, maybe. But you can correct me. Maybe I'm happy for, for somebody to educate <laughs> me on that. Um, but uh, it's cording, and uh, it's also known as axillary web syndrome. But basically, you know, the understanding is that uh, some of the vessels, perhaps the lymphatics. Uh, vessels themselves, they start to sclerose, so they get hard. Um, and then sometimes, and then in, in pain, you don't have to have lymphedema to have this. It's, we think it's, it's, it is associated with lymph, uh, lymphedema to some extent. Um, but you can, if you kind of take your arm and you stretch it out above your head and you kind of feel under your arm, uh, in the armpit, sometimes uh, some people can feel like a tight sort of cord or like a rubber band there. Mm -hmm. um, and that can sometimes be painful. It's usually not really, really painful, but it's, you know, it's like a rubber band that's kind of keeping you from moving your arm all the way up above your head. Um, and um, that's kind of a self-limited problem, meaning it usually goes away on its own. Uh, you can massage it, um, and actually, in therapy, uh, some of the uh, if you if you go to a lymphedema therapist, they can help you. They kind of massage that cord out. It can disappear over time. Like I said, even if you do nothing. Um, and then uh, another thing I'll mention about that is a lot of people get nervous because they can hear it pop. Um, so if you're massaging it and you have a cord and you kind of massage it a little bit for a few minutes every day, which is totally fine, and you hear you hear that popping noise or a popping sensation, then it's you know it's important to know that that's totally normal and uh, you don't have to uh, worry about that. The, the cords do you know sometimes just kind of pop or rip, and that's totally fine. Okay, that's good to know. Now, before we get to some some treatments or stretches or ways to maybe hopefully ease or prevent some of these shoulder issues, I'm I'm curious. Are shoulder issues more likely to happen pretty close to the treatment? So I say, are they more likely to happen, say, in the couple months right after surgery? Or can somebody go along and then all of a sudden, maybe 
two, three, four years later, develop some shoulder issues? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would say both in the, you know, acute sort of post-operative period, um, you know, there are going to be the instructions with, for a lot of patients to not move the arm. you got to baby the arm in the beginning. Um, uh, and uh, and like I said, it's, it's one of those use it or lose it kind of things. Um, you, you know, most people will start developing some degree of frozen shoulder uh, by simply just always having the arm down at their side. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that's definitely, you, you definitely see it frequently after surgery. If you're talking years out, you, that's also possible. Um, one reason could be, uh, at that point would be radiation. That's, that's what that makes me think of a lot of times when I see somebody who has shoulder problems, but they had surgery, you know, years or even decades ago. Um, the, uh, if you have radiation, um, then you get sort of what we call radiation fibrosis syndrome. And that's sort of after you have radiation to a tissue slowly over time, meaning months to years, uh, the tissue just sort of starts to harden uh, over time. And that can cause um, a slow sort of progressive tightening of the shoulder. Um, if you had the you know, radiation to the chest wall, like a lot of people do, then you know your pectoralis muscle is under there. Um, and the pectoralis muscle is, of course, going to receive some degree of radiation being right behind your breast after all. Um, and it can start to sclerose and tighten up. And over the years, people uh, will have, you know, they start to have this stooped posture a little bit. And again, that can kind of squeeze all the rotator cuff, uh, cause rotator cuff problems and uh, create a shoulder impingement um, that way. Well, and I think too, as as we all age, the there's the potential for arthritis, just as the yeah. the space or the what I want to call it, the fluid in between the the bones and the joint sort of goes away, and the the covering of the mm -hmm. bones wears away. So then you get kind of that bone on bone friction too, which may have nothing to do with the surgery, but I guess is a a risk of of aging. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Yeah, some some people, and it depends, you know, they say a lot of times if you do a lot of overhead work or you use the shoulder a lot, you lift things, you know, for your entire career, then, you know, you take a lot of wear and tear on the shoulder regardless of, you know, uh, breast cancer surgeries or regardless of what you had. Yeah, for sure. So given all these things, these very sort of concerning and to me somewhat depressing things that we've talked about, how can we manage these shoulder issues and is there a way to i guess even prevent them or if we if if someone has to get them can they be as you know minimal as possible is there a, what can people do yeah so that's right so the optimistic side of this um is that these it's uh, the optimistic side is it is relatively easy to treat and and, and prevent so that's the good news um so some of the, you're being like, what kind of exercises can you do to stave off having some shoulder problems? I guess, yeah. Like, is are there things, if, if somebody knows they're going to have breast cancer surgery, say they're going to have a mastectomy and implant construction, so they know, the person knows they're getting a, um, a tissue expander and then it's going to be swapped out for the implant. Are there things that could be done ahead of time to maybe make that area, the pectoral muscle in particular, as stretched out and as loose as possible? You know, is is that a good idea or is I, I guess that's what I'm wondering? 
No, no, no. You're right. That's a great idea because it, studies show that people who had shoulder problems going into the surgery are going to have worse shoulder problems when you come out on the other side. That's definitely the case. So, yeah, what you're talking about now is something that we call prehabilitation. Um, and uh, that's basically uh, where you can uh, just try to optimize the shoulder prior to going into breast cancer surgery. And there are studies showing that that does make um, a big difference. Um, where I work at Kessler in New Jersey, we there, you know, we have a program to do that. And there are a lot of other programs around the country to do that uh, kind of prehabilitation. Um, so you should ask, um, you know, your physicians about that for sure and see what kind of, uh, you know, if you, especially if you have shoulder problems already, that's, it's definitely worth bringing up, I would say for sure. Okay. And then, so if somebody say they've already had surgeries and didn't think about that, didn't know about it, um, are there things they can do now? Is it, and I guess I should ask too, is it really best to see a physical therapist, a rehabilitation specialist to deal with some of these issues or, or can someone start on their own? In most cases, you can start on your own. I mean, I would recommend definitely to uh, see a rehabilitation specialist such as myself or um, a physical therapist if you have a lot of shoulder problems. Um, you know, you don't want to, there are a lot of, you know, we don't, as you mentioned, we don't have time to cover all the different types of shoulder problems. There are uh, many of them. Uh, so seeing someone who has knowledge of it, I think is worth it, particularly if you have, if your shoulder is really bothering you, then, you know, that's, that's something you need to probably, you know, get somebody with some knowledge to look at. Um, and make sure that, you know, if the exercises that you're doing at home are, are the best and the safest uh, and, and are the most appropriate ones for your particular type of problem. Um, but that, that being said, there are general sort of exercises that you can do to prevent getting a frozen shoulder. Um, one, of the, one of the most common ones you see is kind of like a wall climbing exercise. Uh, that's where you sort of face the wall um, about arm's length distance, and then you use your fingers. You put your arm out in front of you, and you touch the wall, and then you slowly kind of use your fingers to walk up the wall. Um, and then you and then you know as your arm goes up, you kind of take a step towards the wall and things like that. You should be able to walk your hands all the way up, uh, so that your arm is completely all the way up in the air, almost to the point where you know your your nose or your armpit. Uh, is completely flat against the wall or your nose is touching the wall and your arm is completely above you. Most people who, you know, who have, um, are going to have tight shoulder capsules or have um, adhesive capsulitis or frozen shoulder or, 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 you know, your surgeon just let you know that now it's safe for you to start moving the arm. It's going to be very tough for you to go all the way up. Um, but that's a good exercise to do, that wall climbing exercise. So try to get as high as you can and then hold it there and get a good stretch out of it, you know, for 30 seconds or so. And try and do that a couple of times throughout the day. The other one that's actually a little bit tougher would be to do it out to the side. It's the same thing. So now your um, your arm is completely out to the side and uh, you're touching the wall with your fingers and you're going to try to climb up, up, up with your fingers um, and try to get in. And, and a lot of people are going to cheat. They're going to swing their arm a little bit more in front of you, like, you know, 45 degrees, because that's definitely, it hurts less and it's easier. But the idea is that you want to stretch it. So make sure you keep your arm completely out to the side, sort of, you know, parallel to the chest. Don't cheat and bring your arm forward. Um, try and do that. And that, that's going to be a tougher one. I guarantee you that a lot of people are going to have much tougher time doing it out to the side than they are out to the front. But it's important to do it. Um, it's important to do both of those. Um, the other one, like I mentioned, simply just where, you know, like I said in the beginning, where you're uh, putting your hands on your hips, if you have a tight shoulder, you know, your elbows are going to be pointing backwards. So really try to bring those elbows forward um, and kind of hold it there and just kind of swing your elbows as forward and point them forward as much as you can and kind of hold that. That'll, that's a great stretch for the, 
uh, shoulder capsule. Um, and then the other one was where you kind of touch the back of your head, you know, bring your arms up and touch the back of your head and then swing your elbows all the way back as far back as you can and try and hold that. That one also will be a little bit tougher for most people, that particular shoulder motion um, with a frozen shoulder. Okay. And I should point out, because I I have shoulder issues, not due to breast cancer surgery, but just because of arthritis, that it's not, um, it's not a competition because I, I feel like I have done all these stretches and exercise, or I continue to do them. And, you know, as you said, it's important to do them as you talked about them correctly, especially the one out to the side. And even if you can only get your arm up an inch or two, that's where you start. And then you will get, you will get it higher after time, but don't, as you said, don't cheat because you're really not helping the rehabilitation process. And I, I speak from experience here. <laughs> as a cheater, you speak from experience, right? Yeah, no, it, it is. I know, I know it is tough. I can't imagine. I'm sorry to hear that you have that problem. I, yeah, it's, and, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, it, it is just a game of inches, you know, it's, it's going to be tough in the beginning, definitely, but a little bit at a time. Um, and then, you know, I also want to mention, you know, when you have the pain, this is not a time to try to power through the pain and, you know, that kind of thing as we have, you know, some people kind of have that personality. Um, you know, you want to do it to the point where you start feeling a little bit of discomfort and then kind of, you know, back down from that and just hold it there for 30 seconds or a minute or something. You know, this is not a time to try to be a superhero and power through the pain or anything like that. Okay. Very good to know. So to, to kind of wrap up, could you give us your top three tips for say somebody who's listening to this right now, they're, they're, they're holding their shoulder, they're rubbing the front of their shoulder going, Oh yeah, that sounds like me. Um, what, what would be your top three suggestions for somebody who is feeling shoulder pain right now? Um, I would, I guess the top three things I would do, I would try to see if, um, top three, um, or you can give I top two, not. whatever works best. <laughs> I was going to say, how about top 10? Um, uh, oh, well, you could do top uh, 10 too. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the, the most important thing I think would be to um, try to do the stretches. Uh, I think the number one thing would be if you're having a lot of shoulder problems would be to reach out to um, uh, make an appointment with a, a rehabilitation physician who can really diagnose what type of shoulder problem that you're having. Um, shoulder problems are fairly yeah, straightforward and easy uh, for a physician or physical therapist or occupational therapist too, by the way. Um, to uh, diagnose. I mean, there's the rotator cuff, um, and then there, uh, on top of that, there's, you know, the, the shoulder joint itself um, can can be a problem. Um, so, but you can kind of discern between those two. Otherwise, you can get an MRI, and uh, you know, a physician can order and interpret those MRIs and get some imaging to kind of see what's going on with the rotator cuff, the adhesive capsulitis, the frozen shoulder. You can see that on MRI as well. So, I, I think you know, it's it's worth seeking some professional help if the shoulder, particularly if the, if the arm is causing you a problem, it's interfering with your daily life then uh, I think if it's interfering with your daily life, that would be something I would definitely do. Um, the next one would be um, to try to do the exercises on your, uh, on your own um, if you can. Um, of course, you need, you know, you're going to need clearance from your surgeon. You need to check with them and make sure that it's safe to do that. You don't want to, um, you know, mess up the surgery or anything, it's, you know, with all you've been through uh, by exercising the shoulder. So you need to make sure that it's safe to do that. But after that, then you can, um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, online, there are a lot of uh, places that show you different shoulder uh, stretches and things like that. A lot of the stretches I just described to you, I know for a factor on YouTube. 
Um, so find a more like, you know, reputable, reputable uh, video on YouTube and uh, they, they'll, they'll demonstrate the wall climbing exercises and things for you too. I mean, that's a way that you can kind of, you know, take control of your own healthcare there and do it on your own. Well, and I think your institution even maybe has, if I'm remembering correctly, has some YouTube videos about exercises. Don't you? Yeah, a lot of places do. Yeah, if you find a, a, a reputable place, you know, YouTube is filled with videos. So, uh, but yeah, if you find a reputable place, you can see some different shoulder exercises. A lot of the videos are great on there uh, to show you what to do and things like that. And like I said, if you if you're not sure if your your shoulder is getting kind of tight, um, it's, and you know, you don't always have pain all the time. You don't have pain all the time. It can be painless, particularly in the early stages. But um, if you're not able to put your hands on your hips and kind of swing your elbows to the side or put your hands behind your head and, you know, do that comfortably, then, you know, I, I would say for sure you're, you're, you know, you're starting to tighten up there. You know, time to, time to maybe look into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and definitely, as you said, um, if somebody is going to go online, definitely look for uh, a source like a rehabilitation institution mm-hmm. or a doctor's right. office. Don't just... Uh, look for somebody else who's showing what he or she happens to do. Definitely look for uh, a medical, a medical site. Yeah. Right. Look for reputable hospitals, videos or something like that. And again, if you have questions, you know, you don't, you don't have to go with your, go it on your own. I would, I would definitely suggest if you have, if your arm is bothering you, it's interfering with your life. um, Definitely reach out to somebody that you think can help you. Uh, either a physical or occupational therapist or a a rehabilitation physician. Well, great. Thank you so much, Dr. Khanna. This has been really helpful. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.